This is KMTT. Today, on Mondays, we have a shear of Harav Yemen Tavori, who this year will be examining different responses, Shalotu Chuvot, from the major ones from the 18th and 19th century. Harav Tavori. We will continue today discussing a few of the Shalotu Chuvot of Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger, the name of the Sefer, Binyan Sion. He is more famous as the Aruch Lener, but the, the Tshuvas are called Binyan Sion. In Chedek Arachayim, in the first volume of, of Binyan Sion, actually it's considered uh, more of a Yeridea question, but the question was asked about, it, it is in the Chedek of Yeridea, Simon Kuf. The question was asked, about a house which has an entrance and there but the entrance the room was less than the shear for a room and there was a big question about which side to put the mezuzah on the actual case that was involved is not relevant to my personal interest right now the question would be when there is a suffolk if you should put the mezuzah on the the right-hand side or the left-hand side? What the reason for the suffix is there could be a, a number of different cases where such a suffix could arise. But in, what do you do in such a, a, a case? So, what we generally do is we ask Geshayla, the Rav Paskins, and you put up mezuzah on one side. But if there is a real suffix, would you be allowed to put up two mezuzahs, one on each side, to make sure that your yotze according to all the deos? This question was discussed by the Maram Shik, who wrote a letter to the Arachanir, to Rabbi Yaakov Etliger, and he discussed the question of putting up two mezuzahs because he felt it might be an issue of Baal Tosef. As I mentioned last week, the Rabbi Yaakov Etliger's tshuva is a rather brief and to the point. And here, in very few lines, he said this is not at all like tzitzis. In tzitzis, you should put on a four-cornered garment, and you should put on four pairs of, four uh, different, on each corner you have to put tzitzis. A five-cornered baguette, we put baguette, we put the tzitzis on four corners, but you would not put baguette on the fifth corner. And if you did, it would be considered baltosif. Now, would that be the same here? Putting a mezuzah on the right and the left would be considered baltosif. And it seems that Maram Shik really did feel it was usur because of baltosif, but you would have to be machria, you would have to decide which side to put the mezuzah, and you could only put it in one side. Yaakov Etlinger argued and said, I don't understand the, the comparison to tzitzis. Because tzitzis, you can, you have four corners, any one of the corners is the right place to put the tzitzis. When you put it in the fifth corner, that was also a right place to put the tzitzis, but you put it in four other places. And therefore, putting on five tzitzis would be a problem about Tosif. But here, if you put up two mezuzahs on the right-hand side of a door, then I understand. That's batosif. But here, what you're saying is, one side is chayiv, one side is patra. I don't know which one. Since I don't know which one, I paskin that one is kosher and one's puzzle. But I don't know which one's kosher and one's puzzle. Therefore, what would be the problem? You're not putting up two mezuzahs, you're putting up one kosher mezuzah and one puzzle mezuzah. And if you put up a puzzle mezuzah, so well, that doesn't seem to be a problem about tosif at all. He compares it to putting on two pairs of tefillin. Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam. 
Now, most Ashkenazi Jews who do follow the uh, opinion of Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam put on two pairs of tefillin one after the other. Svardim, many Svardim, still have a custom. People of Eidot Mizrach, there are people who put on tefillin Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam at the same time. Why would you say that's possible because of Baltosif? The answer would be simple. One is definitely wrong. It's not that Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam are both correct. According to the people that are Machmed, like Rabbeinu Tam, they have a chashash, the suffix. Maybe the halachas like Rabbeinu Tam. But if the halachas are Rabbeinu Tam, then Rashi's filling are not kosher. So when you put on two pairs of tefillin, there's no baltosif because you're not putting on two pairs of kosher tefillin. Here also, you're not putting on two pa- you're not putting on two mezuzahs. You're putting on one mezuzah which is kosher and one mezuzah which is puzzle. So the Aruchaner said he did not feel at all there was a problem of baltosif. As I said, the Maram Shik disagreed with him, and the Maram Shik really said there's a baltosif in the modern svarim that taught discuss. The laws of mezuzah, there's a sefer, for example, called Chovas Hadar. And in his sefer, which is a uh, likut of all the different poskim about mezuzah, he just mentions that there is a machlokas haposkim, if there's baltosif, if you put on, if you put on more than one mezuzah. And he, may, he of course, he quotes the Aruch Lanier that says there is no problem of putting on two mezuzahs. It's not a problem of baltosif. But he refers you to other poskim who disagree. One of the poskim is the Minchas Yitzchak, and Chelek Aleph of the Minchas Yitzchak, he pointed out that there is a strange, interesting discussion found within uh, Talmudic literature that perhaps a person should put up two mezuzahs, one on the right and one on the left. We paskin la that a person should put up only one mezuzah. But he said since there was such an opinion, if a person would put up a mezuzah on the right and the left, so he might be implying that one mezuzah, you really need to put up two mezuzahs. And he compared that to a person who would refrain from eating chicken and milk by saying it's a problem of a, of a dindar raisa. We know the Rambam thinks that, the Rambam says clearly in Hilchus Mamrim, that if a person would say that chicken and milk is awesome of the raisa, it would be of about tosif. You might confuse what a law lo- of the Torah is and what a law of the Rabbanon is. Here, it's true you're putting up the mezuzah because of suffix, but people might think or it might look that I'm uh, passing like the opinion that you that you really have to put up two mezuzahs, one each side. So the Minchas Yitzhak really did raise the issue that in such a case it would be considered Baal and therefore the Minchas Yitzhak disagreed with the Binyan Sion and said that... Um, you have to be machriya and only put up one mezuzah, you cannot put up two mezuzahs. Practically speaking, in certain cases where there are porches, and uh, there's a question if the porch is considered an entrance or an exit to the house, I have seen people who put up two mezuzahs, one on each side, and apparently the psak of the Aruchaner was well known and, and accepted by many poskim, although, as I said, there has been a great discussion about this issue. Nevertheless, the psak of the Aruchaner is very well known, there's no baltosif, in putting up two mezuzahs. To turn to a, the area of, Ar, of an Ha'ezer in the Binyan Sion, I'd like to discuss a question that he was asked whether women are mechuyav in the mitzvah of Sheves. The mitzvah of Puru the chiyav of women in Puru is a well-known 
a discussion in the Mishnah in Yevamos. On one hand, the Torah said, Vatem pu'urvu, the mitzvah that was given to Adam v'chava, vayivarech osem alukim vayomalem pu'urvu, is in plural. Man and woman. Afterwards, when the mitzvah was repeated to Noach, it was repeated to Noach Ubanav. And the Gemara said, the Mishnah has a machlokas, if women are chayv and pu'urvu, we paskin that women are not chayv and pu'urvu. And the reason that we paskin that women are is not are, are not mukhiv and puervu is because the Torah said puervu umiluatais vikhivshua eindar kashal ishalikh bosh. It's not the way of women to enter the world of kibush. The mitzvah puervu is connected to that world, and therefore women are not mukhiv and puervu, and that's the way we paskin. However, the question would be, what about the Chiyuv to Rabbanan? There's a mitzvah called Sheves, based on the Pasuk, Loto Bura'a Elalashevet Yitzhara. The mitzvah was, the world was not created just to be desolate. Loto Bura'a Lashevet Yitzhara. The world was made to be populated. And therefore, Perhaps this mitzvah, which is a general mitzvah, the Gemara calls it a mitzvah rabbah, but nevertheless, this mitzvah is a great mitzvah. Maybe women are involved in this mitzvah too. Now, the discussion actually would be, what would be the law of an Evid Kanani? An Evid Kanani has a din like a woman. He's chayiv in mitzvahs like a woman. Now, of course, the mitzvah we would understand. But what about the mitzvah of Sheves? On one hand, he is male, so you could talk about the darko shal ish lichbosh. On the other hand, he is an Eved, and his law is compared to a woman. So would an Eved Kanani be chayven in Sheves? The famous case in the Gemara of the Chatsi Eved, Chatsi ben Chorin, the, this halachic schizophrenic, he's he, let's say he was an Evid Kanani owned by two owners and one freed him, so he's a Chatsi Evid and Chatsi Ben Chorin. The Gemara discusses how could he get married. And there's a, he can't marry a, uh, a, a Shivcha because he's, uh, he was, a, he's a Ben Chorin. He can't really marry a, 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 a um, Bas Chorin because he's an Evid. So what do you do? So at the end, we know, we pass him that we, we free him. But Tosfus, I call this the Shatchen Tosfus, Tosfus tries to find the Shidduch for him and raises all the possibilities of who he could marry. Now, the Gemara says, Tikantem es atzmo, es rabolo tikantem. If you would suggest the possibility that he works one day as a free man and one day as a slave, the Gemara says, Tikantem es atzmo, es rabolo tikantem. Then the Gemara discuss. Then they then discuss Lisa Shifcha, etc., etc. Now, when you say Tikante Misatzmo, does that imply that he's not Mechuyev in in Sheves? From the whole discussion of the Gemara from the, 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 the Tosfos, you might argue whether he is Chayv in Sheves, and then you would say, would that be comparable comparable to a woman? Maybe she is Mechuyev in Sheves. So the Aruchan there really discusses the comparison of women to a 
Evid Kanani in such a case. But the bottom line, he says, I agree with the, with the person who wrote the question. The person who wrote the question was a Rav Yaakov Lerin from the community of Amsterdam. And the Archoner says, I agree with him that there's no mitzvah of poor, of poor vu for women. There's no mitzvah of Sheves as well. And as far as the discussion from Evid Kanani, you can distinguish between Evid Kanani and, and a woman in any case, even if you would say a woman is uh, exempt from Purvu, even if you would say an Evid Kanani is required in Shabbos, you could still distinguish between a uh, woman and an Evid Kanani. The bottom line is he thinks women are not Mechayv in Shabbos. However, he quotes a little difficulty in the Rambam. The Rambam says in Hilchas Yisurei Bia, that a woman has a, a has a right never to be married. Then, on the other hand, he says, Mitzvah ba Yasem B'Shlucha. He quotes the Gemara in Kedushin Tafim that a woman should be involved in the mitzvah of Kedushin and not just send a shaliach. So, since there's a mitzvah, what do you mean the woman has a right not to get married? So, he claims that the Chiyuv is not at all to get married, but since she shares the mitzvah pu'ervu, no man could have a child without a woman. So sometimes we would say in such a case when there's a mitzvah that applies to two sides, there's a mitzvah on the other side also to do it. In that case, you would say mitzvah b'yosem b'shlucha. But she does not have to get ma- to in, to make any effort to be married because of the mitzvah of Sheves. It has nothing to do with Sheves. And in Eved, he said you, he might be Mechoyev in the mitzvah of Sheves. The Aruch HaShulchan also said there's no Chiyuv of Sheves. And he said the, the Pasuk of Loto brother Shevet Yitzhara, is not actually given as a commandment. It was related more as a story. But there are some Achronim who thought that women are Mechoyev in Sheves. It seems to me that the simple explanation would be to discuss the nature of the mitzvah of Sheves. The Chiyav Rabbanan of Sheves. In general, we know that there are some mitzvahs of the, of the Torah that have been extended by Chachamim. Sometimes Chachamim make up a new mitzvah, a new din. The distinction between an extension of the din Torah which Chachamim make and a new din Torah would have a lot of ramifications in many cases. For example, if I would say that meat and milk is Asr Minat Torah, but chicken and milk is Asr Midrabanan. So when they maintained that it is Asr Midrabanan to have chicken and milk together, did they really say this is an extension of law of the Torah? That we're considering chicken as meat. So we've extended a law of the Torah. Did they make up a new law? It's not an extension, it's not a din based on Basa B'chalav, there's just another din, that chicken and chalav is also Asr. There might be differences which way we would learn. Again, obviously we do not mean to discuss any halachic practical uh, questions in this uh, formula of the of a short shi'ur. But the question would be, theoretically, would a person have to wait six hours or the, whatever amount a person awaits after eating fleshics, to eat, to do the same after eating chicken. If you would say it's an extension of the Din Torah, then the laws of the Torah, whatever laws of, that we originally applied to the laws of the Torah, would apply to this too. 
if it would be a new dindarabanan, one might argue that you don't have to wait hours after you eat chicken. You only have to wait hours after you eat milk, and you would have to discuss all the laws of basabachalav, whether they be dorais or dorabanan, how they would apply to the law of chicken. Here, the question would be when Chachamim formulated the law of Sheves, and they said there's a mitzvah, the Rabbanan, called Sheves, did they say it's an extension of Purvu? Which seems that would be very likely. The Torah said there are finite limits for, for Purvu, whatever those limits are. Um, of course, the Machlokas, Beishamim, Beishilal, how do we pass in exactly what the limits are of Purvu? But once you fulfill those, that mitzvah, Purvu, you're no longer chayiv in the mitzvah of Midaraisa, Purvu. Nevertheless, Chachamim said, Lo Tobra, Lashavas Yitzara. There's a mitzvah to populate the world even more than the technical biblical law. If it's an extension of that law, an extension of Purvu, and since women are exempt from the basic law, they would be exempt from the law of Shevis too. If, however, you would say it's a new law of the Rabbanan, then one might posit and say, since it's a new law of the Rabbanan, it's not based on Purvu, then it's based on the population of the world, in which case women would be Mukhiv and Shevis as well. There is a famous Machlokas Achronim at this point. If women are Chayiv and Sheves, the Aruch Laner said fairly clearly that he thinks women are not Chayiv in the mitzvah of Sheves. Of course, they fulfill a mitzvah. They're involved in the mitzvah. And when there's a mitzvah of two people, they certainly enable men to fulfill the mitzvah. And in that respect, you would say mitzvah bayasem and b'shlucha. But nevertheless, they're not Machayiv in a mitzvah of Sheves. Another mitzvah that would relate to women as well would be uh, the obligation to hear Parshas Zachar. This tshuva was already found in the what's called the Binyan Tzion HaChadoshos. In the Binyan Tzion HaChadoshos, tshuvas that were pr- printed a separate volume, today, of course, in the newer editions they're printed together, there was a very short tshuva again. If women are required to hear Parshas Zachar, the <coughs> question was posed by a certain Rav of Bezdin in a community of Galicia. And he mentioned um, I, I'm sorry, it's in uh, a tshuva that was asked in to, to a different community, I'm sorry, to Rav, Rav Moshe Le Bamberger. In, uh, in the Kilav Kistingen, which I don't know where that is, but I assume from the name, it's a German community. But in, uh, he was asked if women have to hear Pasha Zachar. Now, Rav, the Archoner mentioned that his Rebbe, we mentioned last week that he learned by a, a famous person named the Avram Berg, Bing, who was the Rav of Würzburg. So this Rav Avram Bing learned with the, with the same Rebbe of the Chasam Sofer, the Reb Nassan Adler, and he, Reb Nassan Adler, said that women are obligated in Pasha Zachar, and it's famous that he had a maid in his house, and he told his maid that she should go to your Pasha Zachar. And the, the, uh, Reb Avram Bing accepted this Masora from Reb Nassan Adler, and, uh, <coughs> Chasam Sofer also quoted this, uh, custom of the Reb Nassan Adler, and Reb, Reb, the Aruchaner explained it. He said, it's not a mitzvah to say Shazman Grama. There's no specific time you have to hear Parsha Zachar. Once a year, the assumption is that Parsha Zachar is once a year. But if that is a correct assumption, then once a year you have to hear Parsha Zachar. 
And there's no specific time. However, the Sefer Achinuch is the only Rishon that I personally know of who actually discussed this issue. In the mitzvah, Tafresh Gimel, the, the Sefer Achinuch said, this mitzvah, the Hainu, the mitzvah of Parshas Zachar, of remembering Amalek, only applies to men and not apply, and does not apply to women. Because women do not go to war. Women do not take revenge on an enemy. And therefore, the mitzvah Parshas Zachar is not incumbent upon women. The Arachaner said, I, I, I don't understand this reason. There are two separate mitzvahs. There's one mitzvah called Mechiyas Amalek, the mitzvah of destroying Amalek. is another mitzvah to remember Amalek. Who told you they're connected? Why can't you say the mitzvah of destroying Amalek doesn't apply to women? But the mitzvah of remembrance of Amalek does apply to women. And he brought examples from Hanukkah, from other cases in Jewish history, that women um, were involved in saving the Jewish population. Maybe they would be involved in Amalek too. Actually, the Menchaz Chinuch already raised these two questions against the Sefer Chinuch. Number one, how do you know there's one mitzvah, maybe it's two mitzvahs? And secondly, who told you the women are not mechuyif to kill Amalek? Interestingly enough, because we just discussed the tshuva about Sheves, Evid Knani, and women, so here the they've tried to bring a raya from the Rush. There's a famous discussion of the Rush on, on the Gemara that said Rebbe Lezer freed a slave to make a minion for, to make a minion. The Gemara discusses you can do a um, you're, it's an uh, it's wrong to free a slave but nevertheless to make a minion Rebbe Lezer was Meshachver Ezevet. The Rush said perhaps this is referring to Pasha Zachar. Since it's a mitzvah daraisa, he was Meshachver him to, to create the minion. There wasn't enough people for a minion there weren't enough people for minions, so he was Meshachar his slave. Now, if the Evid himself would be Mechuyiv in Parsha Zachar, so why did they have to free him? He's Mechuyiv in Parsha Zachar, he could be, he could join the minion. And since an Evid, you could, you could induce from this that an Evid is not Chayiv in Parsha Zachar, then you can say, similarly, a woman is not Chayiv in Parsha Zachar. The Archanir said it's a very clever argument, but nevertheless, he doesn't think that's a good argument. Because even if you would say that a woman or a slave would be mechuyiv in Pasha Zachar, it doesn't mean that they would create a minion. Women and men and, and slaves do not count as part of a minion. If they don't count as part of a minion, even if they would be mechuyiv in Pasha Zachar, they'd have to go to your Pasha Zachar with a minion, but they would not create the minion. Very clever argument. The uh, Of course, the assumption is that Pasha Zachar is you're obligated to hear Pasha Zacha with a minion. The entire concept that we accepted so seriously, Pasha Zacha is the Raisa, and we uh, make today, we make special uh, minyanim for women, and we read it with brachas, we read the Torah with brachas, with a minion, that itself would require a lot of analysis. Who is it so simple that, A, the Pasha Zacha is the Raisa at all? I know Tosfa says so. But the Ramam did not have a, any mention of Parsha Zachar being a biblical obligation. The idea, even if it is Parsha there is an idea of hearing Parsha Zachar Medaraisa, does it have to be really from a minion? 
with a minion, does it have to be from a Sefer Torah? All this requires more analysis. Assuming that all is, that that is all true, so then, uh, we would have to raise the issue if women are obligated in Parsha Zachar. The bottom line, of course, is the Aruch Lanayar followed the opinion of his great Rebbe, who followed the opinion of his great Rebbe, that women are chayiv in, in Parsha Zachar. I would like to mention that one time in Yeshiva, there was a Kolelnik who went to Rav Amital and mentioned to him that how proud he was of his wife, who had a very, very bad case of uh, flu or maybe pneumonia. She had very high fever. And she went, left her house in Pasha Zacher to go hear Pasha's, to go hear Pasha Zacher. Rav Mital did not uh, take this very uh, lightly. And he said to the Kolonik that he should not have done so. It's true, Rav Amital certainly was aware of the Aruch Lanair and Rav Nassan Adler, but nevertheless he said in Europe the custom was that women did not go to Yipasha Zachar. And in a case where a woman is sick, even though today we are machmir, we do make minyanim for women to hear Pasha Zachar, in a case where a woman is sick, she should not take a, such an opinion that she should hear Pasha Zachar and leave the house under these conditions. Again, there was a big machlokas haposkim if women really do have to hear Parsha Zachar. As I said, it begins with the Sefer Achinuch who said women are exempt. The only Rishon in the world that I know that related to this question said women are exempt. Minchas Chinuch did raise the argument maybe she should be chayev. The Aruch Laner did say she's chayev. The question is today, uh, we've somehow agreed women make a tremendous effort here, Pasha Zachar. Rav Mital just pointed out in a case where a woman was really sick, should she make this effort? One of the most famous chuvas of, of the Aruch Laner was discussed the question about a Mechal Shabbos, uh, can, if it be counted for a minion, if he touches wine, can you drink the wine? It should be pointed out that there's a certain section of Chuvas of Binyan Tzion in the Binyan Tzion HaChadoshos which have a heading called Psakim Shelo LaMaseh. Psakim that he made, but somehow he did not mean for these Psakim to be accepted. I don't know exactly what conditions he meant and how many chuvas this relates to. And it's also interesting to note that people who discussed these chuvas somehow ignored this comment of Sakim Shalola and they dealt with the opinion of Archuner within the context of Halachalamaseh. And here the question was asked, the person's Michal Shabbos Fatarasia touches wine, you're allowed to drink the wine. He first answered, it seems to be that, yes, it seems to be that since a Michal Shabbos has a din of a mumer l'chol ha therefore his uh, wine, the wine he touches would be the same as wine that would be touched by a, a, a mumer, by a Michal Shabbos, by a Navot, by a guy. <coughs> and therefore, it would be uh, considered usur. He distinguished in the beginning between a person who's Michal Yamtov and a person who's Michal Shabbos. But today we're talking about a person who's Michal Shabbos, not a person who's Michal Yantov. Since he's Michal Shabbos, then he certainly would be considered a mumar and you could not drink wine that he touched. However, and here's the reason that this question has become very famous. This question really, let's remember, it was written in Tafresh Chaf Aleph. That means 150 years ago, more or less. A tshuva written in Altuna, 
150 years ago, 1860, let's say, and the question then was asked, what about people in our generation who believe that they're religious, who believe in God, believe in creation of the world, but nevertheless, Michal Shabbos, I don't know at what point in Jewish history this phenomena really began. But at least I know that in 1860, in Altoona, Rav, Rav Etlinger knew that there were people that daven on Shabbos, make Kiddush, and then are Mechal Shabbos, bimelachas daraisa. And he quotes a opinion that they should not be considered Mechalei Shabbos. For the purpose, uh, they should they should be considered Mechalei Shabbos. But their din should not be, that is a mumrim. <coughs> There's a famous Rashi in Chumash, in, in Chulim. Rashi says, why is it that a mumr Shabbos, a Mechalei Shabbos, a mumr Lechalei Tarakula? Because he does not believe in creation of the world. The reason we keep Shabbos, one of the reasons we keep Shabbos is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu rested on the seventh day. A person who says, I do not <coughs> rest on the seventh day, in other words, he does not believe in creation. <coughs> therefore, he denies God. He's an atheist. And therefore, he's a mummer. But this person today, you cannot call him a mummer. You, I'm sorry, perhaps you can call him a mummer, that's the discussion. But you cannot say that he does not believe in God. He came home from Shul Friday night, in our generation, I would describe the scenario. I knew people like this. They went to shul Friday night, then they drove home. They come into the house and are mekadesh, make kiddush. The family joins together. <coughs> the wife ben schlicht. They all. They might not even put on the lights in the house. They have the lights set up beforehand. But they drove home on Shabbos. They carried everything home from Shabbos. They didn't think that that was usher. So, in such a case, the person who says, Friday night he made Kiddush. And he said, I believe that God created the world in six days. I call this my day of rest also. I rest in a different way than other people. He does Malachas and Malachas Darais on Shabbos. <coughs> Rabbi, Yosef, Rabbi, Rabbi Yaakov Atlinger says, I can understand why a person who's Machmir would consider them Michal Shabbos and would not drink their wine. But you should know, I really believe the people who are mekel can rely on the opinion that they're not mechalei Shabbos, they're not considered mumarim for Shabbos. Now, this question, of course, has been discussed from <coughs> that generation until our generation. The addition of the binyan Sion that I used last week of Rav, um, Rav Yudah Aaron Harvitz brings a whole list of achronim from those days until more modern times that discuss this question. It is interesting that already at that time in Germany the issue was paskind by Rabbi Yaakov Atlinger. However, in the psak that says psakim shelol la lacha but the halacha was passed that yesh amil smoch, and you do not have to treat these people as mechalei Shabbos. As I said, 
It's interesting to see the, uh, the people that came directly after him, uh, students of his, like, um, uh, for example, the Malamed Lahawil discussed this question, and until uh, the 20th century when uh, Igros Moshe, Rav Moshe Feinstein, and men, the Minchas Yitzchak all discussed this question, and it became a very important uh, discussion even today, Halacha Lamaisa.